Welcome to the Google Teacher Tribe podcast, your source for the latest news on Google for education, tips, tricks, and teaching ideas you can use in class tomorrow. And here are your hosts, Matt Miller from DitchThatTextbook.com and Casey Bell from ShakeUpLearning.com. folks so one thing i have to tell you that is really nice about being a guy this is going to sound totally random but hey just go with me about being a guy with no hair because i just you know shave my hair off totally bald is that i don't have to worry about stuff getting in it and things happening to it and that's not quite as easy whenever you've got really light blonde hair is that fair to say casey uh yeah that's totally fair and unfair at the same time uh, yeah. considering how much time it takes to fix my hair versus how long it takes you to fix yours right yes exactly and so to having that in mind that kind of reminded me of uh, a fun little story where i think it was might have been the last time that casey and i were together where Casey's hair started one color when we met and as we walked away from each other it was a different color is that is that about right yeah yeah so I managed to turn my hair blue in just a couple hours (laughs) true story folks true story (laughs) yes I think we were uh we were having dinner and uh I actually didn't even know this until the next day so we, I, I think I was rubbing my head against the what I thought was the wall behind me. I was tired and just kind of resting. And so the next day I wake up, I'm fixing my hair and I pull this strand out and I'm like, why is that blue? <laughs> That's blue. So I, I mean, like I'm racking my brain. I'm like, what did you do, Casey? Cause this is, this is not completely out of the realm of possibility when it comes to me. Um, you know, getting things in my hair or doing something strange or, you know, anyway, so I track Matt down. I'm like, do you remember what was behind me last night? Because the only thing I can think of is that I rubbed my head against something. And so it turns out there was a chalkboard uh-huh. behind me, which I'm guessing had blue chalk on it. And Matt didn't think it was real is what he told me anyway. Right. And like he totally let me walk out of there with this blue streak down the middle uh-huh. of my hair. So I had blue hair at TCEA. Um, I had neatly tied into a bun. So hopefully people didn't really notice. But it wasn't the cool kind of blue streak either. It was the <laughs> what was she thinking? What did she get in her hair kind of blue streak? Right. Yeah. Now, for the record, when Casey said she rubbed her head against a wall, don't picture like a cow rubbing its head against a fence post or anything. <laughs> this was like at the end of a long, long day where she, I think, leaned her head back because she was like she said she was tired. So, yeah, fun stories, fun things that, that happened to us that for some reason we decide to share with all of you yes <laughs> so all right so with that in mind a wonderful kickoff that really has nothing to do with our episode but hey we're gonna go with it casey what do we have in this episode <laughs> well we have some 
excellent information. Did you notice I'm trying really hard not to say that I'm super excited, but I am super excited to talk about Google Slides. And when I share and do training on Google Slides, I always try to tell people, hey, it does more than just let you present. And so today we're going to dig into some alternative uses for Google Slides, because guess what? Slides can do what? Yes, there are Mm -hmm. so many things that you can do with Google Slides. So we've got that we've got some news and updates of course to share uh, some fabulous feedback from our listeners and a couple of blog posts to share with you as well so you ready to get started i am ready let's go So in news relating to Google, I have to tell you about this blog post that we just recently found on Google's blog called The Keyword. I know we mentioned it several times before. If you aren't familiar with it, you can go to blog.google to find it. And it talks about this really cool experience that some fifth through seventh grade kids, about 150 of them, uh, they got to have out at the Googleplex all the way out in Mountain View, California. And it almost seems like it was kind of like a camp that kids got to go to at Google. It says it was the IO Youth. Um, and right before we got on here, Casey and I were like, I want to go to camp at Google. No kidding. Right, exactly. And so what these guys got to do was they got to go meet with some people from Google. The person who leads the Doodle for Google, like the Doodle team in Google, was one of the ones who emceed. And they had all of these really neat activities. Like they made cartoons with Toontastic. Um, they got to do some drag and drop programming using Blockly. They were using Scratch to do some coding. And this was all right there at the Googleplex. And so, A, I love the fact that kids got to do this because I would totally do this right now too. But B, it's, it's also, this is, this is a neat thing that Google's doing with kids to get them into all of those really important STEM fields. So I just, I just love everything involved with this. That sounds like an awesome day and what a great way to get introduced to all of those things and to be at the Googleplex, the, the mothership Mm -hmm. of the Googleplexes. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Yes. Yes. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I'd be, I'd be tickled to be able to send my kids to this, I think. Tickled. Yes. We would all be tickled. I want to go. I want to go. Well, we also have an interesting update coming to Docs, Sheets, and Slides. So if you haven't ever used this tool, which it also could be disabled by your school district, FYI, if you've never seen this, but you have the ability to chat inside Docs, Sheets, and Slides, not just comment, but to chat synchronously at the same time. And this little platform has actually been built on Google Talk. Well, Google Talk is going away, as we have talked about um, in previous episodes. See what you just did there. I did that. Yes, I did. So what they're going to do is they're actually going to replace it with Google Hangouts. So Google Hangouts is going to sort of be embedded into the chat feature there in Docs, Sheets, and Slides. So if you are on a rapid release, you uh, should be seeing this starting, I think, as early as June. So so look for that. Um, we've got details and the link in our show notes at googleteachertribe.com slash 18. And um, I think this is going to be a good feature. I think it's going to give us some more um, options and different ways that we can collaborate inside Docs, Sheets, and Slides. 
Yeah, I know for me with uh, several groups that, that I'm in that use Google Hangouts and even sometimes just for kind of impromptu small groups, you know, two, three or four people, um, it's really nice uh, just the interface that they've got and all the things that you can do within Google Hangouts. And it only makes sense to be able to bring that over into Docs and Sheets and Slides too. So yeah, I'm totally looking forward to this also. Okay, Tribe, we are ready to dive into some of the alternative uses for Google Slides. Google Slides is almost like a little Swiss army knife. It does so much more than what most people think that it does. And I think what separates it is the fact that um, we can do so much with images and that we can convert it into other types of, of files. And so one of my favorite uses of Google Slides is I use it to create ebooks. And I do that because so many of the ebooks that I create include lots of images and screenshots. And if you've ever tried to work with lots of images and text inside Google Docs, you'll pull your hair out. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it, it is, I mean, you can do it, but it, it doesn't do exactly what you want it to do. You can't get things exactly in one spot. You can't have, you know, anything that goes out to the edge. It's really hard to create pretty cover pages and things like that. So I have a blog post on how to create an ebook in Google Slides, which is linked in our show notes. But I'm also working on one right now. So as we were talking about this, I was like, oh, yeah, I have one open that I'm working on. So I'm updating my guide to Google Drive sharing because sharing is is one of those things that is so intricate when it comes to, to Google and especially in G Suite for education. But because I have so many screenshots and lots of images and I layer my images a lot, you know, sometimes I've got... Um, text on top of images and shapes on tops of, of images. And those are all things that we can do in slides. And I think a lot of people don't even realize how much Google Slides and Google Drawings have in common. They have a lot of the same tools. But I think one advantage uh, with slides is the fact that we have multiples that we can use within there. So sometimes when you're dealing with that in the classroom and it gives us a natural separation for students to work in groups or individually all within the same slide deck. But let me give you a little tip here on on how to create the ebook. So you know, you go through, you add your, your text, your images, your cover page, page numbers, all of those things. Well, the key to making it a printable ebook or a printable ebook, that's, that's a conundrum right there. A printable <laughs> book <laughs> it is that you can go to file page setup. And this is like a game changer when it comes to Google slides. When you go to file page setup, go to custom, you can make your slides any size that you want. And you can actually change it between inches, centimeters, points, and pixels, which means as far as the eBooks are concerned, I can make this eight and a half by 11 inches, which is the same as a piece of paper. By the way, this is how a lot of things are created for teacher pay teachers. They either do that in PowerPoint or Google Slides, and they just turn it into the page size. So I create the page size, then I go to file, download as, and I download it as a PDF because guess what? PDF is the most universally accepted file format. Almost any device can read a PDF and, you know, and there you go. And I can put that PDF wherever I need it as a download. I can put it in my Google drive. I can put it wherever I want. 
And so I can make that ebook available. So, so that's, that's one way that you can use Google Slides is to create ebooks. Yeah. And to, to add to that, another thing that's, that's cool with this is when it comes to Google Slides in general, is if you create a new Google Slide presentation and then you share it with your students, either through Google Classroom or through clicking the blue share button and then choosing anyone with the link can edit then that means that all of your students can come into that slide presentation too. Now imagine having all of your students take one page from an ebook and then they all do their own part. It's almost like crowdsourcing. You know, whenever you you have a whole bunch of people do little bits of the work and then you you come together with a product. And so imagine your students kind of crowdsourcing all of that. Then you save it as an ebook, as a PDF, and then you're able to distribute it to parents or to the school community or whatever. And so I think a collaborative one of those would be a really neat thing too. And I will add one thing because I guarantee you we will get a comment about this. Um, (laughs) It's one of those things. So Google Slides cannot be converted into EPUB. Google Docs can. So a lot of people really like that EPUB format. There's nothing wrong with it. However, I haven't felt the need to actually have to have the EPUB format. So if you're looking for EPUB, you can do that in Docs. Um, But for me, I can pretty much get a PDF into any device, including Kindles and things like that. So you can so you can weigh that out what works. But just FYI, um, EPUB is available in Google Docs. Very good. Okay, so I'm going to move on to one of my absolute favorite ones. And kind of like what Casey was saying earlier, I think that and forgive me if I've told you about this tribe, but I kind of feel like a lot of times we get narrow-minded when it comes to the tools in G Suite. And we think that Docs is for writing essays and Slides is for doing presentations. And, you know, we've got to really break out of that mindset and we can do some really cool things. And so when it comes to Slides, one of my favorite things to do is to create stop-motion animation using Google Slides. And I always try to equate this to those flip books. Casey, did you ever see those those like flip books that did animation when you flip through them and something moves? You know what I'm talking about? Oh, yeah. Those were always the books in the classroom that every kid would be crowded around <laughs> fighting over. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then whenever I'd get bored in class, I would write, I would make little doodles in the bottom corner of my, my notebooks and I would kind of make those. Did you ever do that? I wasn't that talented. Uh, okay. Well, I'm not saying that mine were great or anything, but so yeah. Anyway, it's the same idea with with slides. And what you can do is basically you start up a new Google slide presentation and you draw out the scene on your slides. And so the easiest way to do that is just to use shapes. You know, you've got that little button up at the top of Google slides. It's like a, a square and a circle. And so you've got your shapes and, um, you draw that out, you draw it out with lines and with text and all of that. Um, I think we may have mentioned this in the the video project episode, but this is, it's, it's just one of my favorites. I love to be able to come back to it. And so, um, so basically you draw out that whole first scene and then you duplicate that slide. Uh, and then once you've duplicated it, then you just take something on that second slide and move it a little bit. Duplicate it again, move it again. And we've got some examples on our uh, on our show notes of what this looks like. But the thing that I love about this is that if you have kids create these, first of all, it's pretty easy to create them. But then anything that they can conceive in their brain, whether it's in motion or not, you know, they have the ability to put it into motion on the screen. And so this is this is a really really neat one that I think that we can do. 
I love it. Yes, it is. It is a lot of fun to see these and they come together so quickly. I know that, you know, you can you can demo this in just a few minutes. So um, once you show kids how to do this, they are going to take off. Um, I've seen so many really cool examples that students have created um, with this idea of sort of the stop motion and Google Slides, which I love. Thank you, Matt, for sharing that. So another one of my favorite uses, and again, I sort of want to reiterate, there are a lot of similarities between what we do in slides and what we do in drawings. You will see a lot of the same tools, a lot of the same image editing and layering capabilities, but with slides, again, we sort of have that natural separation where we can have multiple pages or multiple slides in the deck. So one way that I have have used this is I created a magnetic poetry template using Google Slides, which I've also done in drawings and sort of just to show you the pros and cons of both sides of those things. But with a magnetic poetry, I sort of took the idea, honestly, was staring at somebody refrigerator one day and looking at all the little words on there. And I thought, you know what? I can make a digital version of that and I can do that in Google Drawings or Google Slides and make something interactive. And that really is the bottom line, whether you're interested in magnetic poetry or not, is the fact that you can make something interactive because I created words as images. Um, Then we had some themes. The one that I actually made for slides was a winter uh, around the world, sort of aligned with a project that I did with Shannon Miller. But we, you know, we had the words and we had a background. And so the kids could come in and they could see the words in the word bank and click and drag and move them around to create their poetry. And when as soon as you sort of grasp that idea and the fact that you could have anything in the background, whether that's a graphic organizer or maybe you've got some images that you are creating um, content around. But the fact that you can click and drag and move these things into different places really allows you to create some awesome interactive lessons for your students to create and to collaborate together. And so the magnetic poetry was particularly fun. I love seeing those. I've seen lots of pictures people will share on Twitter of the kids creating these and sharing these online. So again, we've got everything linked in the show notes for you. So I've got a link to all of my magnetic poetry templates, which are both in slides and in drawings. And lot check the comments because lots of other people have taken these and created other versions. So I know um, they've been put into other languages as well. So um, if you're looking for something in some way to get creative and, and thinking of alternative uses of Google Slides, you can really create some neat interactive lessons for your students. Whoa. Other languages for real? Yep. Yeah. I was like, yeah, (laughs) I I remember getting messages and they're like, Hey, have you made one in French or Spanish? I'm like, uh, no, I don't speak French or or Spanish, but go right ahead. And so they did. Yeah. (laughs) You have my permission. Yeah. Super fun. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, that reminds me of how we can move the ability to move things around on these slides opens up a lot of possibilities too. Um, I mean, just anything that you use as a manipulative, can almost be done in Google Slides like this. There was there was one time I worked with, I think it was a kindergarten class, just got to come in and teach a teach a lesson for a day, and they were working on subtraction. And so what did we do? I got a a 
clip art of a tree and a whole bunch of little apples and we move the apples in and out of the basket. I mean, that's, that's really, really basic, really simple, but it, it totally worked and it doesn't even have to be for something that simple. You can, you can go much higher level. So, so we've got one more for you and I, I really like this one too. Um, and it has to do with choose your own adventure stories. I don't know if you remember those choose your own. Okay, I'll throw it back to you, Casey, again. Did you ever do choose your own adventure books? Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, you make the decision and then you have to go to whatever page number it tells you to start mm-hmm. on. Yeah. Yes, yes, exactly. I always like to joke that that was like the sole reason that I would go to garage sales with my mom in hopes that I could find some of these books and, and be <laughs> able to read them. And you can totally make choose your own adventure stories. And even if it's not a story, uh, you can also lead people through kind of like a, a journey where they have to make decisions and their decisions affect the outcome. And this is this is doable in slides. And so basically the big feature that allows you to do this is the ability to link to different slides within Google Slides. And so if you created, let's say you created um, 10 slides and on your very first one, you could highlight some text or even highlight a picture and then click the link button. And usually people think of clicking the link button and going off to a website, but there's also another option where you can choose slides from this presentation. And so by clicking on that link, it'll take you to a different slide instead of just going directly to the next slide like you usually do in a slide presentation. If you've ever played Jeopardy in PowerPoint before, I know this was like cutting edge technology back in like the early 2000s to be able to play uh, Jeopardy in PowerPoint. It's the same idea, basically. And so if you if you set it up and you basically link from slide to slide so that that different things happen, it it's a, it's a really neat way to do to do this. And I've got some examples from that in a link in our show notes also. So choose your own adventure. Another another cool, fun twist on slides, which I've found that teachers can do if they want to introduce new content to students to create one of those and let the kids go play it. But then students can also make them, too. So pretty versatile activity there for the classroom. Yes. Even better when the students are creating, I think they could have a lot of fun. And I've seen these created a, a lot by students and from, from teachers. And there's just so many amazing ideas. I I want to add one quick note. I'm, I wish I had said this in the beginning, but I kind of feel like there are three major things that sort of help slides become this alternative tool. And one is the image editing capabilities that the fact that you can crop that you can mask that you can add borders that you can layer images on top of images text on top of images gives you a lot of versatility there i know i use slides all the time when i need to create something really quick for an image but also the fact that you can download it as several different file types so as i mentioned with the ebook downloading it as a pdf for that particular option but you can also download as image files so when you go to file download as you can also choose jpeg or ping whichever happened to work for the certain type of images that you're working with. And then you could put those images somewhere else. So um, I think those those are two really big things. And then the other part, sort of that division that we were talking about and the ability to link slide to slide that Matt was mentioning inside the 
um, choose your own adventure types of stories. So I think those features really just sort of set it apart and give us so many more options and open some really uh, creative opportunities for our students in the classroom. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. And I would even add an, another one in there, and that's the the sharing and collaborative features, too. Oh, of course. I, yes. Yeah, because I know a lot of times, and this was something that I would do one or two times a week in my classes sometimes, is I would create a slide presentation, share it with all the students, and give them editing rights, and then every student would have their own slide. It's like that division that you were talking about, Casey. But then they were all working within the same within the same sort of ecosphere. It was like that, that one file where everybody had their work and then they could go and comment on each other's stuff. And all of a sudden it starts to feel a little bit like a blog or dare I say, almost like social media. It's the same sort of idea. They're leaving little comments for each other in text within a a digital sphere. And so that's another way that I think that this really, really changes the game. So yeah, slides is, is more than just oral presentations in front of the class, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah, I think, um, and too, by the way, we had a huge list of things that we wanted to share in today's episode. So I suspect that we will be doing some follow up as episodes to share even more Google Slides ideas on the Google Teacher Tribe podcast. So we've got a couple of questions in our mailbag today, and the first two come from Carrie Johnson. She's an educator over in Ohio, and here's her first question. Carrie asks, do you have a hack for getting around not being able to put a Google Sheet in landscape? And so what she's talking about here is printing. If you need to print a Google Sheet out, a lot of times it defaults to printing it in portrait. You know, if you've ever heard of the hamburger versus the hot dog, this is the hamburger, you know, where it's like uh, tall instead of wide. And so she wants to be able to put it into landscape. And that's actually a, a, when you know where to look, it's a pretty easy thing to do. So all you've really got to do is whenever you've got your sheet open, you go to file and then you go to print. And then there it is. If you look in the layout section down at the bottom, you have the option between landscape and portrait. And so thankfully, Carrie, we don't have to do much of a hack there. All we've got to do is just go into that setting. So once you know where that is, that makes it much easier. And then our second question says, I know it's possible to make a poster in the G Suite, but I'm not exactly sure how. Do I use drawings, slides, any tips? And I would definitely go for drawings on this. If you use Google Drawings, it's almost like a digital sheet of paper or a digital poster board. And it's got a lot of the tools that you would need. Plus, once you're done, you're able to go download it as a JPEG image or a PDF file, or you can even print it out if you want to. So I'd say if you need to make a poster in G Suite, that's the one that I'm going to go for. Don't you also have a blog post on that, Matt? (laughs) Oh, yeah. I do have a blog post about that. I feel like I need a a hi-hat every time we have something that we have a blog post that answers a question. (laughs) Right, exactly. Yeah, I have written a... Yeah, thank you for that. I have written a blog post about interactive multimedia posters using Google Drawings. And one of the things I love about this is that with a, a typical poster, it's all the all the content you can fit on the poster board. But if you make one in Google Drawings, you can start to use hyperlinks. And so, you know, use that link button and people can click off and can go get, you know, 
as much content as they can link to. So now it makes the the capacity for that t- that poster so much bigger. So yeah, that's that's the way that that I would go when it comes to that. And I would also add to that sort of one of the bigger differences that we didn't talk about yet between drawings and slides is that drawings is going to automatically give you a transparent background. And so that's not something you can really do in slides. You're going to have the white background or whatever background color you give it, but you can't actually make it transparent. So if you're looking for some way to create something that has that option, but as far as the digital poster is concerned, I think you can definitely do that in slides as well. And as Matt mentioned earlier, the fact that every student can then contribute theirs to one slide deck, which is kind of what we did with the winner around the world, uh, Magnet poetry project as kids around the world created their poems and then they each added the slide so um, think of how powerful that could be now if your poster gets too big it could get a little cumbersome so I could definitely see sort of the pros and cons of both sides of that but um, what do you think Matt yeah yeah I think that's a that's a good rule of thumb to follow you've got some options but yeah I would I would definitely go with that so so Kara I think that's that's our our suggestion there and then we have one other thing that's come in in the mailbag this comes from Lisa Blevins Saylor and she's a technology integration specialist with it says Johnson County Schools not sure what state that is. I'm guessing there are probably Johnson counties in many states. And so here's what she said. She says, I was intrigued by the recent segment on, on auto draw and auto draw is the one that uses the, the, the machine learning, uh, kind of like the auto predict where you draw out an image and then auto draw will replace it with an icon that's, you know, pretty and well drawn. And she says, I found the following lesson to be a very effective way to implement this tool into instruction. During our Kentucky Derby unit, and obviously we just had the Kentucky Derby not too long ago, students experienced the Derby firsthand using Nearpod. Then they were asked to reflect using AutoDraw. So it sounds like she had them pull up AutoDraw and then make some drawings and use some text and just kind of put their reflections together. These primary students were totally engaged throughout the unit and even designed their own Derby hats. What a cool idea. I love that that idea for that lesson to, to really pull it in. And she says this was an engaging, cumulating, engaging, cumulative activity. Thank you both for the podcast and the wealth of information packed into your show notes. And then she says, may the Googles continue to be with you. Casey, what do you think about this? Isn't this awesome? Yeah. Thank you, Lisa, for sharing that. I love that. I love the connection to the Kentucky Derby and making the Derby hats. I think that's a really fun and engaging lesson. And I think other people will probably take this and run with it as well. So great idea. Thank you so much. And we encourage all of you to continue to share uh, Leave us a voicemail on the googleteachertribe.com. Leave us a comment, uh, tweet us, whatever works for you. But we are happy to help in any way that we can. The Google Teacher Tribe podcast is a proud member of the Education Podcast Network. The Education Podcast Network. Podcasts for educators, podcasts by educators. For more great education podcasts, go to edupodcastnetwork.com. Okay, so Matt and I have a couple of blog posts that we want to share with you. 
I have one that I, I just posted this week. Um, actually, it will be last week when you're listening to this, but it is called Teach Like the Tonight Show, the Internet Pop Quiz with Google Slides, Teacher Edition. Yes, it's a long title, but I w- wanted to fit everything in there. If you followed my blog at all, you know I'm a big fan of Jimmy Fallon, and I've had a few blog posts on taking some of the games and things that he plays on The Tonight Show and turning those into classroom activities. Well, this one in particular struck me as a really fun way to engage teachers. And of course, I'm a trainer. Teachers are my students. And so I am using this in my workshops to get to know teachers. So the internet pop quiz is really fun. It asks you just sort of basic questions of things that you do online and on social media, like what's the last thing you purchased online or camera roll roulette, which I love. So you just scan through your camera roll for three seconds and stop and share whatever image you land on. So, you know, it's a good way to get to know people and to talk about some different things. So I took it a step further, of course, on The Tonight Show. It's it's a video, and th- they usually do, do this one behind the scenes, not on the actual show and stage itself. But I put the questions into Google Slides so that it could then become um, collaborative in a way that we could share those and leave comments and things like that. So I created a template in Google Slides, and I put it out to my Facebook group and onto the blog to get people to actually help me get to know them better. And it's been really fun. I've had several people who have completed and shared on Twitter and shared in the Facebook group, but just helping us all get to know each other actually shared my own in the process and our blue hair story actually made it in as well. So, um, but it's been a really fun way. And so this can, this can easily be adapted for the classroom. I do think if you kind of stick to the internet pop quiz thing, it's probably more secondary in terms of having their own devices and things like that. But but um, I think there's a lot of fun questions that you can ask and, and a good little warm up for PD. If any of you are planning your training for the summers or back to school training, but also those back to school get to know you types of activities. Yeah. Yeah. I'm looking through your questions on this. What's your phone's wallpaper? That's that could be a very revealing question. I think I really like that one. That's pretty good. So, yeah, I love that one. I'm, I may have to really dig into this and, and start implementing some of that myself. So, all right. So I'm going to jump over to a different tool that we have alluded to a little bit today, and that is Google Drawings. And so I've written about Google Drawings on my blog several, several times over the last few years. And I really love all of the cool things that you can do with it. And so I basically pulled all of those resources together and then also highlighted a handful of little sneaky ninja tricks that you might not know about when it comes to Google Drawings and put them all into one, what you might call epic blog post. And it's called the Google Drawings Manifesto for Teachers. So I basically pulled together a lot of the stuff that I thought that that teachers would want to know that they would want to be able to have their students do and some of the really cool activities that you can do with it. And so that's all available right there. And of course you can find all of this on our show notes at googleteachertribe.com slash 18. Well, that wraps up episode 18 of the Google Teacher Tribe podcast. Thank you so much for being a part of the tribe and we will catch you next week. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time. Bye y'all.
Thanks for listening to the Google Teacher Tribe podcast. Keep up with every new episode by subscribing on iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher, and by visiting googleteachertribe.com. Get in on the conversation on Twitter by using the hashtag GTTribe. Until next time, keep harnessing the G Suite power, and may the Googles be with you. should do is just go camp out at google just like bring our tents and we'll just camp out on their lawn and i'm sure they that frown at th- on that <laughs> yeah, i can imagine yeah homeland security uh-huh. is hanging out yes exactly hey podcast listeners My name is Chris Nessie, and I'm the host of the House of EdTech podcast. The House of EdTech explores how technology is changing the way teachers teach and the impact that technology is having in education. My objectives include discussing technology that is changing our classrooms and schools and sharing information that you can hear about today and use tomorrow. I do this by talking with teachers, leaders, and creators just like you and having them share their stories. Why? Because whether you use it or not, technology is changing the way we teach and how our students learn. So I'd love it if you came over to chrisnessy.com and checked out the House of Ed Tech. Because using technology isn't difficult. Just give it a try.